Good morning. My name is Chris. If you're new here, me too. And uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Devin, who's the senior pastor here, if you are new, it's not me. It's a, it's a different guy. In uh, 1993, Devin and I met. We were both uh, students at Manhattan Christian College. He was way older than me, like 12 months. And, but he had a lot more gray hair back then than I had. So uh, we became friends. And uh, what I love about my friendship with Devin, we've been friends for, uh, ever since then, and very good friends, is whether I see him uh, often or I haven't seen him in you know, three or four years. We just pick up where we left off, and I hope someday you have a friend uh, like that, if you don't already. My, uh, so I'm Chris, and uh, I graduated from Manhattan Christian College. I've been working in different churches, mostly in, in, all in Arizona, and right now uh, I get to lead Christ Church of Flagstaff, which is uh, just a really cool town, just like Manhattan, actually. If you've ever been to Flagstaff, you'd feel at home. We have a university. We have mountains with pine trees. We have a ski resort. I mean, it's awesome, just like here. And, uh, but no, we love it there. This is a picture of my family I brought. And, uh, that's my wife on the right. I'm the good looking guy in the back left. There's my son, uh, Jake on the left, my daughter, Abby, my daughter, Susie, who's here. We're right. Where'd she go? Oh, right there. Yeah. So, uh, Susie and I are here. We're, we're over at Manhattan, uh, Christian college for their Timothy days. And so if you have like, you like MCC, tell her to go to school here. Cause that's what I want but it's up to her. And actually my mom and my stepdad, Steve, my mom, Valerie here. So you should give them a hand because they drove from Tulsa. So if anybody drew further than that to get here. So that's a lot of pressure right now on me because they just came to hear me share this thought with you. And uh, thanks for having me. Let me be a part of what you guys are doing. This series that you've been in, 2020 Vision, since the start of the year, I've been listening to the messages online. So if you've been skipping church, I've probably heard more of them than you have. So you need to catch up because these are great thoughts and great ideas talking about the life of Peter and what it would look like to have just clear vision of who God is and what he's doing. In this series, uh, as I've been listening, this question started to emerge as I listened to these uh, messages that Devin shared, is what's actually better than 2020 vision? Hey, have you thought about that? Has that kind of like crossed your mind yet? If not, that's what we're going to talk about today. Like I know like if you're an eye doctor or whatever, you know a lot about that stuff. There's actually like, you can have like 2010, that's a little bit better, 2015. I, I mean, I don't know what the best like vision is. I've been worrying about it lately. In my 40s, I have to carry around these things so I can read, you know, and I have like six dozen of them spread out all over the places I live life. But what's better than great eyesight? Like perfect eyesight. I started thinking about Superman. What did Superman have? This is interactive. You guys have to help me here. I asked a lot of questions. I don't remember the answers to, so you have to know them. He had x-ray vision, right? Like this. Look at this picture. Superman could see through a wall. <laughs> What is Devin doing? Like, is that like some Dragon Ball Z back in the day? Or like, what is that? I don't know. Like, but Superman saw it, right? Dude, x-ray vision would be awesome, wouldn't it? Like, does anybody else want x-ray vision? Because this is probably the only way I'm going to figure out what my wife's thinking. I know it's not mind reading, but I think her thoughts sometimes, like her facial expressions, I go, huh. She's probably thinking something I should understand, but I'm a dude and I don't. And if I had x-ray vision, I think it's just like printed on her mind. It's like, I'm mad at you. I'm like, oh, okay. I see that face. And, I, and if I had x-ray vision, when my, my teenage daughters like go down the hall and they slam their door, I could see what they do in there right next. 
Maybe, maybe I don't want to see that. <laughs> see, Peter has been the focus of this series. One of the followers of Jesus, one of his closest friends. And, and, and I noticed that in the life and the story of Peter, what we find in God's word is that there's this, there's this shift that happens in Peter. He has 20-20 vision. He clearly sees Jesus as God and, and all the stuff that you guys have been talking about. But Peter shifts to x-ray vision. He sees beyond He sees what most of us can't really see, but we can now through the Holy Spirit. A stark change takes place in Peter. And today I want to talk about what changed Peter's vision. What was it? Have you ever thought about the the radical transformation of this follower of God? Let's look at it. If you have your Bible or you have like a vintage, these are like rare nowadays, you know, paper Bible, pull it out. Acts chapter four, if you have it online, you, you want to do the app, you see it there. In Acts chapter 4, we, we see this picture, this story is recorded by Luke who investigated all these events and tells us some of the stuff that just changed Peter. Here's, here's where we'll go. Acts 4 verse 5. This is the next day the rulers, the elders, teachers of law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. Now just for a second, think about why would Luke... In an era where like ink and paper, like the way he's writing is super rare. Like take the time to tell us who's there at this meeting. He, he, he lists these names. I want you to remember these names because they're super important about what, what we're going to look at. See, these are all the same men who just a few weeks earlier, maybe six or seven weeks earlier, were at the trial of Jesus. It was at Caiaphas's house. We know that because Luke investigated that and it's in his gospel. His biography of Jesus tells us that Jesus stood in Caiaphas' house under trial and it was Caiaphas who talked Pilate into crucifying Jesus. Peter is standing there. Look at this. They had Peter and John brought before them, verse 7, and began to question them. By what power, what name did you do this? Do you know what the this is? You go back a couple verses. And then this is that Peter and John are walking through Jerusalem and there's a lame man, person who can't walk, is begging on the side of the street. And he looks at Peter and John and like, they're kind of like popular right now. They're just like a big deal. They're, they're, they're super influential and everybody knows who they are. And he's like, give me some money. I need help. Peter says, I don't have money. This is just my you know, version of the story. He says, I don't have money, but what I have, I'll give you. I have Jesus. In the name and the power of Jesus, why don't you walk? The guy's like, I've never done that before, but I'll try it. And he gets up and he's walking, he's healed. And these men, Caiaphas, John, Annas, they're scared, the high priest, the establishment, they don't know what's happening. Like, we killed this Jesus guy, now what's going on is so confusing. They have John and Peter arrested, they spend the night in jail, and the next day, they stand before them. And I want you to think about Peter. Last week you guys talked about, Devin talked about John 21, Jesus' restoration of Peter, who in Caiaphas's courtyard of his house, when a, when a servant girl says, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' friends? Like you talk like, like you're, nope. That Peter, who as soon as it gets tough, leaves team Jesus. He, he's the coward that abandons the one he said he would never leave. At the, the, the stories of the resurrection, all the accounts, Peter's not there. 
or at the crucifixion, I'm sorry. John is at the crucifixion. He's the only one of Jesus' followers besides his mom and some women who would show up. These 12 dudes, chicken, cowards. And Peter, the brash, loud one, leads the pack of hiding. Sunday morning, Easter, Peter's hiding in the room where they had the Last Supper. Not anywhere to be seen. He's not at the tomb waiting for Jesus to show up. He's left. He's deserted. And right here in Acts chapter 4, he stands before the same people whose servants scared him to death a few weeks ago and caused him to deny Jesus. He's defending himself and he says this, verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. Anybody else take ninth grade English twice? (laughs) What's an exclamation point mean? Right, it's emphasis. It's exclamation. Anybody send you a text in all caps? You're like, whoa, that's aggressive. Like, back off, mom, I'll call you. That's what Peter's saying to the guys who just had Jesus killed. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, know this, you and all the people of Israel is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified. I mean, the shade this guy's throwing, right? I mean, like he's in their face. He's like, you killed Jesus. In whom God, what's it say? What's it say? God raised him from the dead. That guy. It's in his name that this man stands before you healed. What changed Peter's vision from 2020 to x-ray? You get it, right? The guy who deserts Jesus, who leaves him behind, who's scared for his life, can't even admit he's friends with Jesus, is now standing up with his life on the line, boldly proclaiming. Here's what happened. Jesus saw, Peter saw a dead man who was then alive. Still alive. That's how you and I can go from looking at this life, this world you and I live in. You can have like the best perspective of life. You have it all figured out. Be a Christian, follow Jesus. But some of us still have just 2020 vision. You just see this world the way you see it. You're not able to look through the walls and behind the barriers and the spiritual things and see what Peter saw is these men standing in front of him had no power. Who, 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 who do you think has power in your life? Your, your, your spouse? If you're a husband, say yes, that's who's in charge. Your boss, your, your friends. Jesus holds all the power. And people like Peter and James and John, they go on a rampage of good for God of doing the last thing Jesus told them to do. I don't know, like if you're from my age, like we're a similar age, you used to play a game called NBA Jam, probably, if you played video games. And in that game, you'd get like on fire if you made a couple shots. Anybody play this game? And then you can't miss any shots. 
You're just like going crazy, like you're in beast mode. And that's what these guys are doing because the person they saw die was now alive. Matthew records what he tells them to do. In Matthew 28, he, one of these guys who's an eyewitness, his biography of Jesus, he ends it with this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded. And I am with you to the end of the age. We, we call that the Great Commission. And when Peter and Matthew and all of these other people who saw him dead, saw him alive, they took that commission and they went crazy. They changed the world. That is power that created the church. It's more exciting than the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Can you imagine? I mean, that's why Devin's not preaching. He's still celebrating the Super Bowl win. And he should. Here's what I want you to understand. Look at this phrase. The Great Commission becomes a resurrection-fueled engine that changed the world. And friends, what I want to leave you with is that that can change your life. That you can be a part of this. This This is something we all get to participate in. You, you need to let this idea like sink in for just a second. Because the Great Commission, what, what we just, what, what, Pete, or what, what Matthew recorded, what Peter was living out, I believe it's the strategic blueprint for, for every church. And what a church is, is just a bunch of people who come together and try to follow Jesus. That's what you're doing here. If Crestview is a church that, that you're connected to or whatever church it is, I believe and so many other people think this way, is that you and I can use that same engine fueled by the resurrection of Jesus to change one person at a time. I don't have to convince you that the world needs help. There, there, there are three common practices. What, what I call, if the Great Commission's an engine, I call them the piston of the engine. That, that a church that is using, that these pistons are firing that they're firing in the right sequence and in the right way, that the Great Commission generates more and better disciples, followers of Jesus. I just want to share those with you because they apply to our life. The first one is this. The first piston is catalytic worship. Is when we gather, when you gather here, when our church gathers many miles from here, when the four churches gather, I drove by to get here. That when we gather, that, that what happened should change us, catalytic. It, it, it's what Peter did. It's what the first church did, Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching the fellowship to the breaking of bread. That's communion to prayer. Those are things you do here. I, I, I told you, I've been listening this series especially, and over the years on occasion, I'll, uh, especially if I need like a good story or illustration, I listen to Devin's sermons so I can steal them. Please don't put this online, but he preaches way better than I do. Don't tell the people in Flagstaff that. They'll be jealous. Like every week you're hearing God's word explained in a way that I can understand. And I'm, I'm pretty simple. And, and it applies to me and it applies to your life. The worship and, and Steve and this team, they're connecting you to God. 
If this is your church, you're here on a regular basis, you're experiencing the catalytic time of worship, of God's word. Great messages that help with life and understanding him. They're truly catalytic times. They're changing you. Just like the first church, what Peter experienced with those first followers of Jesus, you're experiencing. So what can you do with this? How do you take this thing and make it a part of your life? I would just challenge you to make a commitment right now to be here more in 2020 than you were the year before, than last year. Think about your list of things that get in the way of church. If you're contagious, don't come. (laughs) Do birthday parties, soccer games, baseball tournaments, like early kickoff. Like what gets in the way? A lot of chores, work, catching up. If this list is long, friends, is this a year to be here more? To let the catalytic worship that God's providing us together when we come be here more. Make a commitment. Because when your worship is life changing, when it's catalytic, we're making more and better disciples. We're getting closer to Jesus. We're helping each other follow him. That's the point of the Great Commission. But we need more than just that on Sunday. What we see in Peter, the early church, and today we need the second piston, what, we, what I call life-changing relationships. You know, around here you say discover, develop, deploy. If this is your church, you've heard that, right? Devin might talk about that occasionally, or other people. The, the worship is discover. This life-changing relationship, this is develop. It's universally true that life change happens best in the context of a relationship. Social scientists prove this all the time. I don't, I mean, if you don't believe that, you're just stubborn and wrong. I can learn a lot by myself of God's word. In fact, I can go on YouTube and actually learn how a three-piston engine works. And I know nothing about that stuff. Like you can learn a lot by yourself, but you can't change much alone. Life change always happens in relationship best. Sitting in these rows, man, you're getting inspired and it's, it is changing what you know and how you feel. But God uses healthy relationships to just make us better. It takes another person. Acts 2, this is what they did. Look at it, every day. They continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You, you, your, your church, you have things like rooted Life groups. You go, man, my life group meets too often. It's every week. These guys met every day. You know why? Because it was life changing. You know how they had the time to meet every day together and have meals and this interaction and community? Because they quit everything else. Like they, they stopped the soccer leagues. Because what was God was doing was so more important. They stopped all the stuff. You're a part of a church that says, hey, join Rooted. It's a life-changing experience. Many of you have done it. Our church, we have this exact same thing. We, we offer Rooted, and it's amazing what happens when people buy into this. It just started. Some of you are in it. Stick with it. You're going, well, I haven't heard about it, or I've heard a little, and it's too much. This fall, start making changes in your life so you can do that. If you can join a life group, I know you can talk to Jared. People in the lobby will help you the communication cards. There's ways you can get this information, friends. Do it. 
Because your life will be better or worse depending on the people you sit in a circle with. You tell your teenagers that. Your friends make a difference when you're 17, and it's true when you're 46 as well. Life-changing relationships, catalytic worship, discover, develop, two down, one to go. The third piston of this great commission engine is surrendered living. What you call deploy. Surrendered living. Who's in charge of you? Who's in charge of you? Husbands, look at your wife. Say, it's you, babe. (laughs) Right? Kids, look at your parents. Say, it's you, even if you don't believe that. But who's really in charge of you? Who decides what's best for you? That's who's in charge. When confronted with information or opportunity from God or from some other place, who decides? You or him? Well, I, I like most of this stuff, but that, uh-uh. I don't want to do that. Surrendered living? This is just at, at its core, God, you're in charge. I can tell you that when the people of Jesus make the most impact, whether it's a small number of the people of Jesus or a large number, like the, the, those of us in this room, they make the most impact is when Jesus is the most in charge of their lives and their decisions. One more time, looking at Peter's friends, the, the Great Commission unleashed. Acts two forty four. the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Surrendered living. Now you can take this and, and you can hear some people talk about that's like socialism or communism. And you want to get political on this? You're just wrong. That's not what's happening here. It's a really simple thing that's happening. In a community of people who are worshiping, they're discovering, they're, they're growing their relationships, they're developing. God used some of them to deploy his resources to help the others. It's real simple. It's real straightforward. Some people in a group of followers of Jesus had stuff. And some other people had need. And the people with the stuff sold it and helped the people in need. And don't get all weird about this and act like it's something you can't participate in. It's exactly what God's called you to do with your life. It's to take what he's given you and unleash it to help others. Your time, oh, that's way more precious than our money right now, isn't it? Is God asking you to use some of your time? The things God has on the horizon for Crestview, he, he needs you. He needs some of you to, to go help Taylor and serve with kids. There's more and more kids coming to this church. You may not realize that. It means more and more people need to help them. And Natalie works with students. She's here with some of the kids. I, I have some teenagers live in my house. They scare me. And what Natalie does with students, have you even just thought about what's going on in teenage culture right now? Like, just Google it. It's not good. It's a hard time of life. And it was hard back in the 80s and 90s when I was there. And whatever decade it was for you, it was hard. It's almost impossible right now. God wants some of your time to just go invest in scary teenagers. Only a few of them will bite you. They need Jesus. They need mature, loving adults of all ages to just pay attention to them. 
the, the, the greeters and ushers and first impressions. There's so many things. You can just use your precious, valuable time and deploy it for the good of everyone. Some of you who've gone through Rooted, if you've been in, in, in experience Rooted, I want to just say this. Jared should not have to ask one person to facilitate Rooted this fall because it changed your life for the good. And God's saying, use that for me. And you should just go to him. Don't, people go all the time in my church. Well, no one asked me. Jesus told you. <laughs> Quit waiting for him to ask. Could you go and say, I'll help out somebody else experience that. Who's in charge of you? I drove the other day where we're staying, my, my daughter and I and her friend and, and another dad, we were here for Timothy days. I told you that. And Friday, I drove up Excel Road. Anybody know what's going on on that road? Yeah, are you excited? We drove into the work site. It was awesome. Those guys on the tractors and the backhoes doing excavation were looking at us like we were from Mars. I was like, hey, this isn't your land. This is Jesus' land. Shut up. (laughs) In our rental car, we drove around the the work site. It was awesome. I don't know if you should do that. (laughs) But maybe go get a rental car and do it. Are you excited about the future? You know what else happened Friday a mile north of there later that day? Do you know? An elementary school broke ground. Devin was there. Your pastor. Because there's going to be hundreds of families for the next decades, decades, driving past Crestview Christian Church to take their kids to school. That area, I mean, you guys know, you live here. People are, people are building houses. It's growing. It's changing. Are you excited about this future? About hundreds of families being impacted for Jesus through you. Through you. And God's already done that in your life. That's why you're here. Wasn't it because of these three things working in his purpose? Worship, relationships, you giving up some of yourself for the sake of others, discover, develop, deploy. That's what's impacted us. All, every single one of us who follow Jesus, these actions fueled by the resurrection can bring incredible change. As much change to Manhattan, to, to Green Valley, the, to the area around Excel Road, whatever you call that, that new place you're going soon. What it's bringing to your life and to my life, what it's brought the world since Peter got x-ray vision, he could see it as it is. It's available to us. Which of these steps will you take today to let your vision go from 2020 to x-ray? Are you going to attend more in 2020? Are you going to join a life group, serve in a ministry, start to trust God with your money, with your resources so that more people can hear what, what you've heard? One of these is your decision. One of these needs to be your commitment. Because we're going to sing a song, we're going to end singing this. We're going to say, Jesus Christ is our living hope. You know why he's your living hope? Because he's alive. He's conquered death. There's no grip that death has on you. All things this world is struggling with, they're just a mist to him. Because of the resurrection, you have the power of the living Jesus Christ of Nazareth to change this world, to have your life changed. Let's stand and declare that together through this song.